The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two this morning, Senora Chaudhry is here, employment lawyer at Workley Law. Robert Benzie is the Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star, and Pavan Brach is a serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, and a part-time farmer. Pleasure to have all three of you this morning. Not sure if you heard my conversation with Bonnie Crombie, but uh, it certainly does look like she's going to run for the leadership of the provincial Liberals. Uh, let's start with the guy who covers Queen's Park, Robert Benzie. She really is the only person I can think of who, you know, could run and lead this party back. Anybody else, everyone's going to sit back and go, okay, show me. Well, exactly, John. And I, and I spoke to Mayor Crombie as well, and, and uh, she's very serious, as she said to you in that, in that interview. Uh, she's very serious candidate, and she's also someone that the conservatives are taking seriously. I've been speaking to Tory uh, insiders around Doug Ford for a while about this because they will whisper to me what's happening with Bonnie Crombie, what's happening with is she going to run, uh, what's the what's the state of play there, and that's because they are mindful that their political base is largely around in the in the 905, and then and, and, and in Toronto as well. They have 12 of the 25 seats here in the city of Toronto, but they have all of the seats in Peel Region, a dozen seats there. And if those seats start to tumble, um, they they know that their uh, control of power is is tenuous. And Mayor Ford or Mayor Ford, Premier yeah. Ford himself, takes Mayor Crombie very seriously as a as a as a politician. Um, I mean, they have an interesting uh, relationship. It's fractious at times, but I think there is a, a lot of respect for each other's abilities. Uh, I think the premier. Uh, he's, he, that's the, she's the candidate he concern, he's more, most concerned about, not any of the others, not anyone in the NDP or anything like that either. Yeah, I think most people couldn't even name the other candidates. Pavan Brach, this is more out your way geographically. Uh, what say you? I think it's great news for the Ontario electorate. I think that's the fundamental issue here because for, you know, as much as we may or may not like what Doug Ford is doing, there hasn't really been an alternative. Millions of people who used to vote for the Liberals sat out the last election altogether because they're so disillusioned with the Liberal Party. So I do think it's wonderful. I think, you know, it's interesting that Bonnie and Doug Ford both uh, have the Hazel McCallion seal of approval. So that will that will make it an interesting discussion if she is successful at, at winning. And, um, you know, the position she staked out is interesting. She says that she's going to bring the Liberal Party back to the centre. And that's going to be a huge job because, I mean, they've they've been under Kathleen Wynne. The system is 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 completely filled with uh, people from her era. And uh, to do it will not be easy, I think. But I, I think it's fabulous news for the province uh, to have that candidate available. Yeah, Bonnie Crombie is not wrong, Sonera, in observing how far left the party's gone. And I guess they were chasing votes, but it just seems sometimes they were out NDPing the NDP. Yeah, John, and I think um, Mayor Crombie's you know platform, to the extent that she does run, uh, calling herself sort of a centrist by nature. Um, I think that's going to be very compelling. And, you know, Mayor Crombie's in the big league. She manages a a, a, a huge metropolis. I mean, it, it's certainly no joke, the, the numbers that she deals with. I think Mississauga had a, a revenue of over a billion dollars in the last couple of years. I mean, that's not that far off from managing a, a huge budget like Toronto. So going into um, the, the provincial leadership race is a huge stretch. And she's also not a serial politician, which I, I like. I think there's a lot of 
um, entrepreneurs that would feel um, sort of a kinship on, on the liberal side with Mayor Crombie that I think has worked really well for uh, Premier Ford. I mean, him coming into um, poli politics, not from a, a family of just politicians, having that family business, being able to really speak to um, business and employment in, in the province, I think would really bode well for Mayor Crombie. Okay, let's move to municipal politics. And uh, Sunira, I'll start with you on this one. The latest poll finds Olivia Chow still has a lead, and it's a commanding lead. And, you know, some people are saying it's all name recognition. As we get closer to election day, some people are probably going to branch off into other, you know, candidates. Um, but still, I, I, I'm somewhat surprised at how well Olivia Chow is doing because I haven't seen her campaigning all that much. Yeah, it's so interesting, John, because I wanted to be well-informed for this discussion today. So I Googled Olivia Chow platform this morning, and a third Google result was her platform from 2014. <laughs> uh, so, it, and I started reading that um, and thinking, oh, okay, this, this, but you know, bike lanes and planting trees. And um, it, it's interesting because, you, you know, I don't know that anybody in Toronto really knows what Olivia Chow is running on quite yet. It's interesting that uh, people don't need to know in order for her to have this popularity, but we'll leave it there. I, I am really um, interested in what the platform is. I, I did go to her website and I, I think uh, in, in reviewing the website or at least the, the front page of her website, it says, you know, we would not have, her family uh, would not have survived today, I think, when it comes to rent and food. And I, and I think that that sort of fear-mongering base um, of, of the platform is concerning to me because, you, you know, of course, if you want a, a leader in Toronto, you're hoping there's going to be solutions rather than just pointing to all of the, you know, fractured issues that cities facing. Pavan, one of the things that also sticks out in several cycles of polls now is how strong the progressive candidates are. So this idea that Toronto is a button-down conservative city may not be holding up. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting to watch, and it's also going to be fun to watch them split each other. But I think, uh, you know, as, as many have pointed out, it's very, very early still. I mean, people will start to focus, I think, in the next few weeks, and then it'll come down to the actual race. And I and I still continue, continue to think that John Tory's going to be a huge influence on the outcome and, and uh, his potential support for Anna Bailao. Uh, so I think I think it uh, that's where it's going to come. I, I do think Saunders' support is is an inch deep, and it's going to it's going to kind of flake off as soon as they see that uh, that the, the the management kind of candidate is endorsing or is is Anna. Uh, so I, I do think there's still time for that to to kind of crystallize. Although Robert Benzie, we won't dwell on this forever, but I thought you might want to get your licks in. Um, as you know, Pavin said, John Tory's blessing could be uh, a mixed one because when I saw the picture of him with Anna Bailao, I thought, okay, he likes Anna. But then people look at the photograph and go, you got us into this. Well, yeah, maybe. But I mean, look, John Tory won more than 60% of the vote last October, and he won more than 60% of the vote the previous election. So he is the idea that somehow this is a this election, even though it was caused by Mr. Tory's resignation is going to be a referendum on his on him. It seems odd to me, in some ways. And I agree with Pavan, like no one First of all, the polls so far are their interactive voice recognition polls, which are uh, people spend 30 seconds on their cell phone pressing a few buttons. And 
it's all name recognition. That's the only thing. I'm willing to bet that most uh, people in Toronto don't even realize there is a mayoral by-election. They probably couldn't tell you the date that it is. And um, I don't think they're going to notice until signs start going on people's lawns. And I think that, so what what are we, we, five weeks away today? That's the length of a provincial election campaign. So the idea that this is somehow in the bag for Olivia Chow seems really, really premature to me, Um, even though I'm not saying she's not a formidable candidate. She really is. And and she has experience having run and, and finished third in 2014. I just think that it's uh, it's it's very very early, and lots and lots of things are going to happen in the next five weeks before we uh, can say who's the next mayor of Toronto. Barry is cracking down on uh, homelessness, but the way they're doing it is by banning helping the homeless. Pavan, it seems kind of petty, and uh, also I don't think it's going to hold up to to a charter challenge. Yeah, it'll be an interesting challenge. I think, you know, as we all know, this is a major issue and the feds and the province seem to be washing their hands of it and leaving it to the cities to deal with. And and so it, you, you end up with this kind of legislation that's going on and you have different scenarios in different cities. In the city of Hamilton, uh, you know, you've got a situation where business owners are doing polls with their, with their staff and the staff are saying, we feel completely threatened when we walk on the street mm. from, from folks on the street. They're just simply saying could we please have a little bit of police protection or support? And the answer from for many councillors is no, that threatens them. And so we've got this huge conflict that's brewing, I think, uh, between business and between uh, and, and between community members and ratepayers. Um, and, and this is it's reaching a crisis. And you've got folks that are making decisions at the local level to try and address it, knowing that, well, that there may be a charter challenge. I do question the question is, though, of course, when you give cash to somebody, what is the likelihood that that money is going to go to purchase drugs versus giving cash to the Salvation Army to purchase food and shelter and so on and so forth? So I, I am sympathetic to that that a- angle as well. But I think, uh, you know, obviously we're still dealing with the major issue that has to be dealt with by the feds in the province. Yeah. And Robert Benzie, the aspect of uh, this series of motions that seems to be uh, most irking people is the idea that you wouldn't be able to give money or food to a homeless person. Yeah, I mean it's absurd, and and it won't survive a charter challenge. You can't you can't tell people I can't give twenty dollars to a a homeless person sitting on the street. It's that's that's ridiculous. But having said that, I think that there's a really uh, a lot of people uh, who think there are simple solutions to complex problems. House, homelessness is not only about housing affordability. I don't know how that has somehow become the the uh, the the, uh, the be all end all. It's like if rent was was a hundred dollars a month, everyone would be fine. I don't think that that's necessarily it. I think there are uh, addiction and mental health have a huge huge part of of what's causing homelessness. And I think that's something that has to be addressed. And cities, uh, as Mayor Crombie was saying to you earlier, uh, John, they can't uh, do that alone. The province and, and the federal government, they have to step in and help. So mental health supports are, are, are as big a deal, if not bigger, than than uh, than housing affordability. I think it's just very simple, simplifying to say that it's only about the cost of rent. Um, Sunir, I don't know if you have an assistant, but um, would you ever think of inventing one and uh, mirroring the experience of this woman who said all of a sudden she was treated with respect instead of people thinking that they were dealing with her, they were dealing with her white assistant male Matt? 
Okay. Well, as a lawyer and, and most lawyers uh, it, it, that are litigation lawyers anyway, have an assistant. So I've had an assistant for uh, a number of years uh, for sure. And I take this story, uh, John, with, with a big grain of salt because, you know, having an assistant uh, and, and the story uh, seems to suggest there's, you know, no assistant at all. This is a person who acts like she has an assistant and will respond uh, by email and schedule meetings and things like that uh, as her own assistant, but she has no assistant. Um, You know, I don't really buy that much because your assistant does a lot of things other than just uh, acting by email. I mean, who answers the phone at work? Um, so I, I I think it it would be interesting to see how that would really play out. I know that a lot of people now have, have taken to using virtual assistants, but yeah. that's really for the back end of it, right? So I don't I don't know how you could have a public facing assistant who doesn't exist that you're just sort of mere mining as and actually maintain sort of credibility with any of your clients when they find out that you actually don't have an assistant and that person doesn't exist. We got to call it there. Thank you all. Sunira Chaudhry, Robert Benzie and Pavan Brach. And instantly I answer all of my own texts and emails. Although for everything else, there's Joe. <laughs>